Sledge Lords back in the building, and as you can see, me and Danny have decided to take a political stance for once. Are the libs with the strike? The conservatives the have libs to are hate always it. with the strike. Are you kidding me? Well, they're all liberals, yeah, who are striking. I mean, the libs love unions, and strikes are the most union thing ever. Okay, you're right. So this, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but. Your writers here at No Jumper are striking too, Adam. Are they? Yeah. So all the racial conflicts going on on camera, all the fights that everybody knows are scripted, mm. we're going to have to think of those on our own now. That's why everybody left is because yeah. the writers didn't have any storylines left for them. Yeah, they, they already had their eyes forward on the strike. Right. He, he, Mikey keeps giving me, stop. What can I do? I can't go any lower. Look, I like how mine came authentic with... A, a, a caption. Mine did too. Writers are, okay, writers are fighters. <laughs> okay, that's cringe. Writers are essential workers. Writers keep us sane through everything. Hashtag WGA strong. So we stole these. I was filming. You did. Uh, yeah, I, I Adam and I, actually, I just drove the car. Adam went out and punched out two WGA members and stole the signs. No, seriously, we were filming a bit for my YouTube channel, and we took these. I think whoever wrote these signs should probably not be employed as a writer. Right. That's what I was kind of thinking, too. Like, writers are fighters. Like, I don't know. If you're really a writer, maybe you could spell writers W-R-I-G-H-T-E-R-S. So that it like matches with fighters. Don't you think that that would be like a cool thing? At, at least that would make it a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. And this is too sincere. This is, if you had a third grade class write slogans for the writer strike, this is what you would get. Yeah. And that's not saying anything good for the scribe who came up with this horse. I'm with you, man. Writers. Not because I, uh, I had to drive by the CBS studio the other day and I saw like, 300 writers out there just marching back and forth and but they they must have a lot of different encampments in which they're doing this right the yeah. writers are they're in everywhere studios not encampments they're not like picketing skid row right but that would be pretty funny it'd be awesome dude <laughs> if they just took it to the streets <gasps> no but i seen them doing it the other day and then i seen like another video clip of pete davidson bringing a bunch of pizzas bringing like five pizzas to a bunch of writers that's gonna feed like four of them uh -huh. and uh yeah, I don't know, man. What, what, what are they protesting against? They're just, oh, it's because streaming services are making it so that the writers are getting paid, I, I believe, 28% less on average than they were getting paid for a specific, uh, previously because in the syndication era where you would write a TV show, and I'm sorry if you guys already know this, but it, you would you know write an episode of Seinfeld and then it gets played on TV 8 billion times, so you continue to make money off of it throughout years and years, and now... Shows are shorter. You might have a six a six episode season, an eight episode season, and so writers are not doing as well going between jobs, and they're just making less money because we now live in the streaming era. That's that's the gist of it that I got. Uh -huh. and they're also terrified that AI is going to take their jobs. Yes, that's you nailed it. Adam Maxie's like, I don't really know what's going on here. <laughs> I just I just been thinking about my wedding and just like. Porn stars. But then actually, let me break it down to you bullet point by bullet point. Okay, I listened to like one podcast about it the other day because I wanted to be on point for the last episode of Sludge Lords in which we did not talk about it at all. Yeah. 
and we plan to. We were going but to. But now we have the signs. No, you totally nailed it because now the residual model doesn't make as much sense because Netflix, these shows are more expendable. They're putting out, you watch a miniseries, and it's not like in the 90s when there were only so many things on TV. And the, and stat, they, the stat I heard, sorry to interrupt, the stat I heard is that they're up until like in the 90s or early 2000s or whatever, there was like 200 scripted TV shows coming out per year approximately. And now it's like 500. Yes. There's that many more shows being made as a result of Hulu and Netflix and everything. Although I will admit that the numbers simply like doubling almost surprised me. I thought that it would be more because it feels like there are infinite TV shows being made at this point. The competition, though, that's where that number gets even bigger because with YouTube, mm. with YouTube and podcasting platforms, there are so many more um, uh, pieces of content competing for attention. Mm. I, uh, with the writers, I I had a, a point I was going to make and I am, I think in anticipation of going to Italy with you next week, my brain is just wiped clean are you excited you haven't left the country in a while i haven't left the country in a while i had a point i was going to make on the writers i think uh, oh yeah this is what it was i also hate when that happens to my f brain well dude i'm just thinking i mean i'm going to a f porn wedding dude <sighs> it's like uh it's like the fourth of july in the middle of may dude i just told them that there may be upwards of like five to six porn stars although a couple of them are coming with their boyfriends but maybe you could you know alienate the boyfriend and just get in there anyway. yeah i can do that i can be like hey dude you know i i got a i got a hotline to that burbank testing facility right. yo you got aids yo. think of me like dread hey dread no you, you say that dread. to the to the girl's boyfriend like hey she could just work with me i'm a famous youtuber you let me fuck your girl yeah, yeah. you don't worry about it mm -hmm. i think that could go pretty far for you so i just have to lie and say that i have a 12 inch penis for your entire wedding i don't even think you're kind of like the anti-dread i don't like that you i don't like white, the anti-dread white and kind of like shrimp like no, no hey no. hey hey it doesn't hey, have hey. a curl in it no 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 no, no. <laughs> so i don't like how you said anti which mm. means the polar opposite of a guy with a big penis and then you said shrimp like which really more of a there's, thing, there's yeah. other than other than like slug like even a slug a banana slug's big mm. shrimp like yeah that implies that my cock is a bent little bottom feeder. Mm. And I, I'm probably going to do something bad to your wedding cake to pay for that. I wish that my dick had a shell and that it would like wrap up inside the shell when it was soft. Like, don't you think that would be a cool dick? What's the point of that? For protection? Yeah, I just wish that I had evolved differently. Well, we can't always get what we want, Adam22. Yeah, you can't always get what you want, but sometimes... How's it go? You get what you need? Yeah, as Mick Jagger said. That is, he was the one who said that, right? Are, are these fucking mic stands all, all wanky right now? A little bit. I got this. I just needed some more space. They're walking. felt constricted. Hey, if you ever find yourself in the Bronx in some sort of housing project with a bunch of young drill rappers and you want to fit in, yeah. which I realize is not going to happen, yeah. all you got to do is say that everything is walky. Uh -huh. And you're telling me that, and is that going to get me shot instantly? No, it's not is like racist or offensive. No, it's like, oh, these signs are, these signs are all walky. I've seen the way you walked in here. You were moving walky. Is that referencing Milwaukee or walkie talkies? I like walk is lean, but I don't think it comes from that. And it's definitely not wacky either. Cause somebody help him with his mic since it's obviously just falling apart. Fuck. <laughs> what do you get paid for? We when were the talent for is so struggling long. with hardware, snap to it. And don't you dare edit this, this scolding out. We are writers. We are fighters. We are writers. Okay.
We are fighters. We're WGA strong. What is w- Writers Guild of America? I'm this close to going on strike as a podcaster that you did zero to help, buddy. Look at this. When I was reading this, it occurred to me that we're lucky. The writers are lucky that they live in the age of computers and typing and not the age of like handwriting your shit. Because I no, mean, no, once again, dude, yo, what the please fuck? make it go upright. Well, okay. And, and in general, it's like, think about it. Like, look at how long the part that is by him is in comparison. Like, it's not going to stay that way. Think physics. You have to have it moved. The fulcrum needs to be moved. Fulcrum. Okay. Why was this problematic? I like this. Yeah. What was wrong with that? Uh, why, I, why was it considered better for it to be looping around like my fucking shriveled penis inside of a, a shell? Your shriveled <laughs> shrimp penis. I think Hurley wants to justify his paycheck. I mm. think that's what's going on here. He I wants to like just think of new things to do all the time? Yeah, absolutely. And mm. then also I called him that one time when he subtitled the, the N-word. Fully. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was none too happy. And he claimed I'm, it was AI. He blamed it on AI. He's just like the writers. Mm. He's just like the writers who are picketing. And most like, of these writers have never even written the N word. Pussies. When you think. <laughs> Pussies, dude. That's, <laughs> Is there like a special like writer plugin so you don't have to actually type the words? I. Uh, this is what I wanted to talk about the writers. I remember now. It's uh, like, isn't it? As a guy who is an entrepreneur and has to change with the market and change with the trends and the platforms, how much sympathy do you have for people who say they are entitled to make a certain amount of money without changing what they do, without adjusting to market conditions or prevailing business things? The thing is, is that it's a constant negotiation about how much you're getting paid between you and your your benefactors, the people that you're working for. And when you think about them, they have to come together as a union or as a group to be able to negotiate because if if you don't have, you know, 15,000 of them all quitting at the same time, then you're going to have everybody negotiating independent of each other and at that point they have no leverage. So yeah. I, I, I would like to know what the betting market looks like for this and how likely it is that the Writers Guild of America going on strike is actually going to cause any real change in the way that they get paid because that actually is part of the misunderstanding or, or the thing that they can't agree on is that a service like Netflix, a service like Hulu, it seems like, oh, they must be raking in cash, right? It's not really the case. They're actually like not really bringing in anywhere near as much money as they used to bring in when it was like, oh, hey, you're going to pay us $60 a month for, for cable. That world doesn't really exist anymore. And so there's just not as much money going around as it would seem. But all of these companies are in competition with each other. Whereas if you're a Netflix, you don't really care about turning a profit in the short term yeah. because your your mission, and, and that is changing because now that Netflix is kind of like seeing the ceiling of their growth, they're not as concerned with just, you know, bringing on new customers and not worrying about making money off of them. But it seems like most of the streaming services have kind of like hit their their limit for how many customers they're going to potentially have. Yeah. And Netflix's stock is in the toilet. I mean, it's mm. way, way down. So they have their own concerns. They're yeah. not eager to pay the writers whatever they want. And I mean, what we talk about starting a punk rock band. Like, why didn't the punkers get together and start a union? and start picketing the record companies because hip-hop was taken over. You're never going to be able to get that many, like, independent people to agree on something, I think. Like, I'll compare it to, like, in the poker world. There's always, like, poker uh, casinos or online poker sites or whatever that are doing fucked up shit. They'll charge super high rake on, on the hands to make it to the point where, like, a professional is not even able to really, like, earn money consistently, that kind of thing. But it's been almost impossible to get all the 
professional poker players to join together to say, hey, we are rejecting these changes because there's always going to be other poker players who are willing to play and, and try to like take in all the money that those guys are giving up by not playing. I don't think you're ever going to be able to get like a bunch of bands to agree on that, right? That's why they'll, they'll never be like a hip hop union. Because like sometimes you hear people say shit like that, like why are Run DMC not reserving, receiving money for all that they did for the culture? It's like, because there's there's no union. That would never happen. This, this, it's impossible to think that like rappers from the 80s deserve to be compensated retroactively. Like, you know, you should have created a, a rapper. It's like reparations union. for rappers. Yeah, but... Yeah, because that is kind of the idea is like, oh, that these rappers have had such bad things done to them in the past. But I mean, really, it's just like, what what were you able to negotiate when you were in the prime of your career? Mm. Mm. I think poker players would be good negotiators, though, because they got that poker face. <laughs> That's a good point. No, but you know what? Recently, the biggest poker site is GG Poker, and they actually cranked up the rake to such an absurd degree that there was like a agreed upon... Uh, strike by all the pros the thing i just said would never work and they actually did it and the site actually capitulated and actually gave in boom so it is possible bunch of asian guys with aviators just not making any facial expression yeah just but stonewall ggpoker.com but it's also the only this only affected people who are playing like five thousand dollars on the table and more at a time okay which the average poker player is not playing that high stakes yeah, that's a shitload of money yeah I, I mean i don't care about what anybody who's broke thinks about anything though like yeah. i mean guys like you and i when we play poker we do it right let me see your poker face dude is that actually your poker face I always wear sunglasses. You're I don't trust douche. my poker face at all. That's that should be your first thing. That mm. should be like in jujitsu. You learn how to break fall. You should have a poker face before you even touch a deck of cards. Mm. But I've played online for such a huge percentage of my life that whenever I am playing a hand in real life where there's a significant amount of money on the line or whatever, or I'm bluffing or, or anything like that. My heart is. And I know fish. I know people can see the fucking the veins in your neck and like a really good player will just be able to stare you down and just be able to tell whether you're bullshitting or not. And I have no experience with that. So if I were to start playing on in real life a lot, I would probably be wise to go and meet with one of these like body language coaches uh -huh. that exist in the poker world uh -huh. that can kind of help you arrive at a solution of how you're supposed to behave. Am I a complete peasant when I think that having a poker face would be really easy? I mean, it literally means you just don't do anything. Like having a poker face, just don't do anything and you have a good poker face. But picture every single fucking your adrenaline is surging through your body so intensely and you know, you're, you have nothing and you're putting in a $10,000 bet. So you're risking a very significant amount of money. Significant to who? Me or you? Because well, 10 G's to me is fucking Good point. But I mean, think about how intense that feels. Bro, I, I fucking went out and I smoked a spliff to the face on one of the breaks during the World Series of Poker. And then all of a sudden I get back in and I end up in like the classic poker situation where I'm all in. I have ace king and he has pocket queen. So he has a 55% chance to win. I have a 45% chance to win. It's basically a flip. Getting it all in like that, that high, my fucking adrenaline was just pulse i felt like i was living in this like fever dream during yeah. this it was so intense you know what you should start doing is stuff that really raises your heart rate so you get used to it like you should try to smuggle a gun through security when you're getting on the plane this week on an overseas flight as well yeah like an international flight you should try to bring some um you said there was a gentleman in the office who usually has percocet what drug do they usually have 
Not in the office. Just a guy I know. It's just a guy you know. <laughs> well, ask him for a Ziploc baggie and just put him up your ass. Well, put him up your ass and try to get through Italian customs this week. If you can do that successfully without betraying your mm. guilt, you're going to be better on the table. Well, I got a hypothetical for you. Hit me. So the guy that I buy weed from, I bought some more weed the other day. You now, still buy weed from a guy? I got a guy. What, you think I'm going to the store? Yeah. So we're going to charge you like four times as much. I mean, okay, Mr. Phil's coffee delivered to you. $18 for two coffees delivered this you morning. You are an asshole, hypocrite. Is that bad? You get $18 coffees delivered, yeah. but it's, do you, oh, you how rich do you think I With the delivery fee, with the tip, with everything, they're probably, what, like 4 or $5 each. You think I'm a Rothschild? Think I got my weed delivered by a dispensary? Nah, I got a guy. Should I look it His up? His name's wanna, Charles. He's got dreads. I want to know how much these cost individually. Now. They're so expensive. That is over $5, what you have right there. You know, you used to be a man of the people. You used to come in here with Starbucks. Well, actually, I actually have one of those, too, yeah. Why do you have two Vente coffees? Well, one of the guys from the office was saying that he was going to Starbucks, and he was like, do you want a coffee? And I was like, well, this one's kind of getting close to the end. Yeah, these are $5 each. They're more than that. I love the way that they, uh, no, they're four ninety each year. <laughs> With tax, they're more than that. Well, no, once you, but the, the thing is, is I'm pretty sure if you were to go into Phil's, it would cost you a little bit less than the four ninety. But anyway, th listen to this. This is Jacob's Wonder Bar. That's what I get too. Is I always really? get Jacob's Wonder Bar. This is the respect. description. Respect. Shout out Jacob. This is the description. I can tell you about Jacob. I asked Dark him. chocolate, smoke, and nuts. Mm. So it doesn't really tell you what it tastes like. It's more like hints. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like you're a wine taster, and uh -huh. you're like, oh, I taste a little bit of, like, you know, mildew. Yeah, yeah. I taste a little bit of black mold here. Yeah. That's That would probably not sell too many coffees or wines. That, that's the darker blend, which I get. Medium blends. We have the filtered soul, which is hazelnut flavor and chocolate. We have the philharmonic. Very clever. Uh -huh. Cardamom, maple, and earth. And then we have what does the earth taste like? <laughs> yeah, earth, just dirt. Silken Splendor, which tastes like dark cocoa, citrus, and butterscotch. There are more, but I'm going to just leave you with that. I would just drop ecstasy as the second descriptor mm. and just let people sort it. Just, it tastes like ecstasy. You want to hear Buy something it, else bitch. about writers? Well, first, I, Jacob's Wonder Bar, is the he's the son of the founder of Phil's Coffee. Really? They made him CEO temporarily, and he left the post in disgrace. What was the disgrace? I don't know. They wouldn't tell me. They wouldn't tell you, but I, they... I asked one of the checkout people who was like a trans BIPOC person because that's how you get hired at Phil's Coffee. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that would be so cool if you got a job there for a little while. I'd have to change my gender. Danny, what's wrong? I just, I want a more interactive experience while I'm jerking off. Really? Yeah. Well, today's sponsor sounds perfect for you. What is it? Have you ever felt like you needed a little something extra in your life? Maybe you're feeling a bit adventurous or you just want to spice things up a bit. Well, I've got news for you, Danny. Introducing the hottest cam website around the one and only Jerkmate. Jerkmates. Jerkmate. And you're sure it's the hottest because that's all I want. Listen, I'm a pretty good judge of hotness. Yeah, you are. And I'm telling you, it's hot. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why on earth would I want to use a cam website? Well, let me tell you, Jerkmate is not your ordinary cam website. We've got everything you need to take your online experience to the next level. I'm going to come even harder, you mean? Way harder. First off, 
Let's talk about the models. Jerkmate has the sexiest, wildest, and most entertaining models around. And with a huge variety of performers to choose from, you're guaranteed to find someone who's just your type. So I can find like a, a big titty Asian girl who can ride a unicycle. Bingo. Yes. But it's not just about the models. Jerkmate also has the best features around. We've got tons of interactive options that allow you to truly connect with your favorite performers. Wow. From private shows to cam to cam chats, you can get as up close and personal as you want. And if you're worried about your privacy, don't be. Jerkmate takes your security serious wow, with yeah. secure payment options and anonymous browsing. You can be sure that your experience on Jerkmate is safe and discreet. It's easy, fun, and sure to add a little bit of excitement to your day. So what are you waiting for, Daniel? Check the link below and join the Jerkmate community. I bet you didn't know it was a community. And use my code Adam22 to get 10 free gold so you can treat yourself. Oh, I'm uh, your wedding night. Well, you're getting some. I'm going to be using Jerkmate. If I'm actually getting some is up for debate. Perhaps I will be using Jerkmate on my wedding night as well. We're going to be in the community Boom! having fun. Let's go. Oh my God, bro. I saw this YouTube video where this one fucking liberal douchebag retard, he goes and he gets a job at, he applies for a job at the Daily Wire. Uh-huh. He tries to ask them for $2 million for his salary. Uh -huh. <laughs> and like, was it an undercover troll operation? Yeah, the whole point was for him to make a YouTube video out of it. Uh -huh. And it was pretty funny seeing the Daily Wire's like interview process. They basically ask you, as like if you're applying to be an editor, they're basically like, because he was applying to be an editor, they're asking him, are you comfortable with editing potentially offensive content uh -huh. basically like telling you like you have no say yes. in whatever the fuck you're going to edit but the way that they go through it like in the hiring process how was, was he filming this he was like filming it on zoom and shit i think like he was filming his zoom calls with the people who were interviewing him what if it's legal that was discussed in the video and it was somewhat dubious i mm -hmm. believe but there were you know there were a few a few moments where you you really get a window into what working at the daily wire might be like although as an editor it's like that's it's not the most interesting role, right? So what was his big gotcha? Was he asking probing questions like, um, I don't know, like, uh, you know, when I was in college, I, uh, you know, I pulled my penis out at a frat party and one of my frat brothers touched it. Am I too gay to work at the Daily Wire? He didn't ask him that, although that would have been a good arc. They weren't down to pay him the, the $2 million, though, for sure. I, I would it was, figure. It, yeah. was, it was, I think, the equivalent of like three grand a month or something like that. It was like not nearly as well-paying as... This person clearly thought it might be. Wait, I don't I don't get how they were exposing, quote unquote, the Daily Wire. What was their <laughs> angle? They pay a normal salary. I don't know. Like, what did he really expose? Not that much from what I recall. But it was still kind of interesting to see it yeah. portrayed this way. I mean, if you're going to go through all that trouble, I, I, I thought there were like, you know, you're going to try to out the hiring manager as a KKK guy. Well, based on what I know as a YouTuber, if you make the video and it doesn't really come out exactly the way that you want it to come out, you're putting the video out anyway and you're titling it in an extreme <laughs> way, right? Like you're not going to just fucking hang it up like, oh, the Daily Wire didn't really give me the smoking gun. It's like, no, we're titling it as if they did. Daily Wire interviewer supervisor is certified Klansman. And then like you fucking just the thumbnail is a Zoom call and the little away box of the other guy in Nashville. The guy has like a Photoshop hood on. So I, I'm starting to get the idea that you hate the writers of America. Let me say this. We went there and we did a bit on them. Oh, really? Because okay. this was my take on the writers. And this, it's not actually what I believe. It was just kind of an extreme take, just like this person who interviewed at the Daily Wire had an extreme take. Mm. And it was that, what are the writers doing these days? They're either writing superhero movies 
they're writing docu-series on serial killers. And they just, when they do one, you go from John Wayne Gacy to the Hillside Strangler to Jeffrey Dahmer to Ed Gain. I'm picturing these being like the late night show writers and the guys who are writing jokes for like sitcom style shows and like whatever replaced 30 Rock and shit. Like, I, I, I haven't watched TV in so long that most of this is kind of lost on me. Remember that clip I sent you last week? The SNL clip? Oh my God, that made me so upset. Describe what happened in that clip. Basically, they allowed a trans person to come out and, like, make some jokes, but it was actually, like, the least fucking funny thing in the history of the written word. It was so bad. I want to find the title so at least we could tell the people what they need to look Her, up. It's Molly Kearney. There it is. Trans right. So what happens is, she, I don't even know if she's trans. She is a woman who Gotta was- Gotta be. She was formerly lesbian. She's a woman. And she just declared she's non-binary, which, like, okay, I mean, I don't want to be the guy who- It means nothing. It just- non-binary is the easiest thing to declare. Mikey's non-binary. Sydney's non-binary. Right. We're both non-binary. And they, what they do is they lower her down on this apparatus. And she basically just looks into the camera and delivers a sincere lecture on children's gender-affirming health care mm-hmm. and how various states are attacking it. Whether or not you agree with what she's saying, the way in which she said it is um, without art, Certainly without humor, oh, yeah. which which is like breaking the cardinal rule of television, which is supposed to be an artistic median, or SNL, which is supposed to be a comedic forum. There needs to be jokes, and then we'll accept it. But this was just, she's basically just a mouthpiece for the, the current White House. Right. That's what's happening. And nobody had the balls on the SNL staff, because you can imagine that there's a shitload of rewrites on every single skit that they do, and mm-hmm. that they're really trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. This was like one of the lamest, most unfunny things I've ever seen, and I never thought that I would be coming on a podcast and talking about how unfunny SNL is, because I thought that it was generally like extremely unfunny since high school, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, you know, coming of age, by the time you're like 15 or 16, it feels mm-hmm. like SNL has usually kind of floated outside your realm of what you think is funny. But that clip was deeply upsetting and really kind of made me feel like I need to watch SNL every week Mm -hmm. because I the rage that is filling my body and my heart. This is not something that I want to lose connection with. Mm -hmm. This is something I want to feel on a regular basis. It's like adrenaline just really pumping through my Uh veins. I can feel myself getting stronger like the Hulk while Uh watching it because it was so upsetting. Uh Yeah. Uh, yeah, use that fucking adrenaline and go play poker and betray your good hands. And, and do this. Not do all <laughs> yeah, except your your throat veins. <laughs> so we went out there and oh, the, right. the bit was I had a wheel and I, I started telling people I'd like saunter up to writers and I'd be like, Oh yeah, this striking. Oh boy. Down with Netflix. Oh yeah, by the way, I got this story wheel here. Check this out. And I pulled it out and I had an actual wheel like they would have at a kid's school fundraiser that you'd spin it and you win a free slice of pumpkin pie. But on each of the slots where you would spin the wheel, I had things written like introduce a random diversity character who is smarter than everybody on page 16. Mm. And then I have, of course, a bunch of corresponding clips I'm going to throw in where various movies and shows do that. And then I'd spin it again and then be like, random out of place climate lecture. And then a bunch of clips pertaining to that. Mm. And I would show it to these writers. But what was awesome was basically every writer I showed it to had a great sense of humor about it. Mm. Old guys, young guys, women, 
a bunch of women writers. I was basically telling them, like, you guys are hacks who just throw ideology into all of your shows now. And they were just like, yeah, that's kind of true. That's But funny. they're probably making, like, 200 grand a year, and they're just feeling good as fuck about the fact that they're making so much money. Because I feel like they probably write funny jokes, and then at some point, some editor, like, kind of tears them apart and makes them, like, yeah. inclusive to trans people. And that that <laughs> sort of just, like, rips apart, like, any kind of humor. But I would imagine that these writers probably don't even, like, follow up to watch the actual show to see what their jokes turn into. Mm -hmm. They're just sort of involved in that mm -hmm. early planning process. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like when you, if you work at fast food, I mean, how committed are you to like the saltiness of the fries? Like you're just not going to care. There's no incentive for you to like make sure that they're perfect. You wouldn't, if you worked at a fast food restaurant, pull out some binoculars and watch the fat ass in the parking lot in his minivan, like stuffing the Big Mac into his face and you wouldn't be like, oh yeah. Salty goodness. Two buns. Two For sure, patties. if I worked in fast food, I'd be masturbating all the time. I want to... This is... There's an oncoming holocaust for the writers of the world. Well, you better clarify that really quickly before this video gets struck down. Not a Hitler-style holocaust. Okay. Instead, I was reading last night about what Google is working on. Now, everybody knows that Google considers AI to be an existential threat. When you use ChatGPT, it does... Oh, I haven't used it, but I've seen I other have. people use it. I screwed around with it. What kind of occurs to you, like, oh, this is a lot like Google. It's just way better and more in-depth, and I don't have to click on a bunch of links and get pop-up ads and random fucking you know ads on the side and pop pop over ads and all this bullshit whenever you google anything and so it was like the vp of something at google that was like with a journalist now we don't have video of this but it was a journalist and the vp of google or vp of something at google talking about what they're working on with ai and she demonstrated she 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 searched why is sour bread why is sourdough bread so popular and what would you picture to come up on google when that comes up I'm picturing a bunch of like click farm type websites that are blanketed in ads. And if you click on it, it's probably going to give you something that almost feels like AI for mm -hmm. a random fucking question like that. Mm -hmm. Like if I was like a smart website owner, I might just do that. I might deploy a whole series of different websites that are about every different type of bread. And then I have a different article for every different thing surrounding bread. And so what, what shows up on her Google because she has this sort of prototype that they're working on when you search that it it, it pulses a little bit and it opens up a sec uh, a primary window that has a full AI synopsis of the answer to your question and then to the right of it there's a couple of links like this information That's the new Google program they're working on. This was on. the information that was barred? obtained from I don't think it's out yet or I don't think it has a name yet but basically Everyone who is employed writing for websites, like a gigantic percentage of them, they're basically employed to write articles that will then pop up in Google at some mm -hmm. point when somebody searches them. AI is already a huge threat to that. Yeah. Once Google does that, you're presumably going to see traffic to sites like Vice, BuzzFeed, whoever, that are trying to sort of cash in on this sort of Google-based traffic. You're going to see them so fucked. And I, I predict, you know, probably tens of thousands of layoffs of, of the creative class. And like these are all people that went to college for many, many years to get these sort of jobs. And they're all fucked. Mm -hmm. It's going to be bad. SEO writers are already fucking done. Mm. The good news is, for right now at least, I mean, I think in the future, and the guy who runs ChatGBT, the OpenAI CEO, I actually did listen to his whole interview on Lex Friedman. He's like a UBI guy, a universal basic income, which tells you that, I mean, his mindset is that AI is going to take everybody's job and we just have to pay people to be unemployed pretty soon. Mm. But I have screwed around with AI. I was telling Mikey earlier, I punched in 
write a Danny Mullen YouTube video style script. And it said, fade in. Danny Mullen wearing sunglasses, smoking a cigarette in his car. <laughs> Shut up. And then this is where it just got fucking ridiculous. It was, what up, fam? It's your boy, Danny Mullen, coming at you with another video. Today, we're going to be asking bums what they would do for a hit of crack. And then it's establishing shot downtown Los Angeles. Hey, dude, would you suck a dick for a hit of crack? And have you ever said anything exactly like that in a video? Because it does sound pretty much exactly like one of your videos. I do not open with it's yo boy, Danny Mullen. But I feel Otherwise like you identical. do. Otherwise, like, it's identical. I feel like you're saying it sarcastically, so you feel like you don't say that, but you might actually say that. Uh, maybe. But it's then, your boy, Danny Mullen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm from I'm Jamaican. Down by the beach, boy. Booyakasha, hey, uh, wagwan. Today, we are going to be surfing and smoking the reefer, man. <laughs> One of the things it said, though, is like I told Sydney this, too, is the next part of the script is it said uh, establishing shot fade in Hollywood Boulevard. Danny has a microphone and is asking hot tourist women various questions. And all the questions are like, so who's your celebrity crush? Be honest now. Chris Hemsworth, which it, it, it veered off pretty hard on that one. Right. That's like kind of not your flavor right there. No. But here's why I thought it wasn't that great. I used it in the way that you kind of just described that Google exec who was trying to learn more about sourdough right i have a project we have coming up it's about a specific region in a specific city in america that i want to go check out and i asked for a synopsis on this area and it was very very vague and when i started to get a little bit more specific about the topic of my video like hey why is this specific region of the city in decline it it was still not even as good as wikipedia mm. still not there yet interesting but you gotta feel like if the information is online then there it's almost just a matter of time until it figures out how to spit that answer out whereas mm -hmm. have you ever taken a second to think what can i write about or what can i make a video about that the, the ai couldn't mm -hmm. make a video about it's like most of my opinions or things that I can think of to talk about are things that probably have been covered by smarter people mm -hmm. who could then be sort of like sucked into the AI and, and, and mm -hmm. put out that way, right? I mean, I guess as far as me, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe Elon Musk's Optimus robots are going to be able to fucking just walk around the United States filming Danny Mullen style YouTube videos. But I think you and I are pretty... I mean, if our jobs get taken by AI, then, then everybody's fucked. Right? Everybody's yeah. fucked. Because all the people who don't have like creative jobs, exactly. then they're really fucked. Trev, uh, who used to work here, he told me that at one point he was actually using ChatGPT to come up with YouTube video titles. Hey, suggest suggest 10 YouTube video titles mm. for this. I mean, smart. It's, it's not like they're necessarily going to nail it. But if you have 10 right in front of you. You could probably like modify one of them and maybe yeah. maybe it would be something that you weren't thinking of in the first place. The other day I was writing yeah. I was writing my vows for the uh the wedding, which mm. which we are we are going to this week. It's uh -huh. probably already taking place by the time. You vow see to this. have me in the marital bedroom when you consummate the relationship. I vow to fuck Danny Mullins in front <laughs> front of a customs officer. Um <laughs> the airport? Yeah. But I'm no. snitch on you for the pills up your ass if you do. Oh, oh yeah, I still didn't actually get into that part. But uh, you know, when I'm writing my vows, like, what do I do? I go to Google, I type good wedding vows. Yeah. And then I read other people's wedding vows and mm -hmm. that stimulates my brain to yeah. be like, oh, I want to say something like that. I'm not going to copy them exactly, mm -hmm. although I could for sure. Make this a little less gay. Yeah. And I was just, you know, like just reading them and like kind of using them as 
inspiration for me to do this. And that, that did occur to me partway through. It's like, I could have thrown this same idea into chat GPT and probably got wedding vows that were way better than whatever I wrote now, yes. less personalized, but you know, it's only like one rewrite yes. waiting for you to get in there and sort of make it a little bit more personalized and boom, you're in business. Yeah. And what you said with Trev too, like so genius though, like mm. that's a great one. I'm going to start doing that because oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll be like, Oh, you know, I wasn't thinking of that one. That's great. Again, I'm going to modify it. And that's what the writers to get back to this are worried about is not that AI is going to churn out a script on par with one of the finer episodes of Mad Men, mm. but maybe if they want to, to write a show about the, um, the paratroopers in the D-Day Normandy invasion. I love when you hit us with an advanced history reference like that, for sure. Well, the problem is, I guess, Band of Brothers already did that. Never mind. Maybe they want to write a fucking story about a, a battle in Virginia during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Starting from scratch, you could do worse than be like, hey, ChatGBT, write a story about the Battle of Vicksburg mm -hmm. in fucking 18-whenever. Yeah, and, and, if, and, if, I and have modify a, it. if I have a YouTube video in front of me, and, you know, we all come up with titles. Some of us, it seems like we come up with good titles. Sometimes you know what it's like when you're sitting there struggling for a title because it's either there's too many words that you want to fit into the title, but you know in your head that shorter titles a lot of times do well. Yeah. And so you're just sort of doing this battle in your head. It's almost like to use ChatGPT to come up with 10 extra titles to, for you to consider. Is It would just be like ridiculously stupid to not do it. Yeah. When I think about what like, you know, an 18-year-old is going to be like, by the time my kid is 18, I think when she has to make that kind of decision for like a project in school or something that's the kind of thing that's going to come to her immediately and i i feel like i know how to use technology and use my phone and etc and sometimes like lena's assistant the other day was like 25 she just like was searching for a photo on her phone and i just see her type the city into her photo album and i didn't know you could do that and i felt like a fucking idiot uh -huh. in that moment i'm like oh my god i could have saved so much time uh -huh. throughout my life in the past couple of years that that's been available uh -huh. by being able to do that instead of, you know, I'll, I'll go through by date. Mm -hmm. I'll scroll all the way back to, you know, March, 2020 to find something, but where you're looking for like a dick pic you took where your dick was full <sighs> torque. Like, fuck that was in March. Right. I gotta go find that one. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have many dick pics. I gotta send that to you. I was never really a dick pic sender. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of mystery surrounding your penis. So, well, but I'm talking about way before that. Somehow I felt like, I didn't want to put my penis out there because I thought something bad would happen as a result. Yeah, well, that's really held strong. Yeah, no, no, I changed my ways. Uh -huh, you did. Yeah. Are you gonna put? I mean, this is gonna be your wedding. I'm imagining it's gonna be fairly unconventional. Are you gonna like fucking flop your dick out when you're coming down the aisle or anything? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's like when I was writing my vows. Actually, I was kind of thinking that. Like, should I make jokes that are like subtle references to our porn career? That'd be awesome, and they shouldn't no. be subtle. There's like four. It, the, the wedding is like largely family. Can we uninvite all the elderly Armenians? Yeah, cover your ears. No, a lot of the oldest Armenians didn't come because they're like so old that this long ass flight might take them out of commission. So. Uh -huh. Uh, but yeah, like I, I didn't write any vows that like made jokes about it because I've never one time had a conversation that, that about porn or anything with my family or her family. Okay. It has never happened. 
Really? They, so just, this, they don't talk about it. So this is going to be a very straight affair. I mean, I'm sure the after party is going to be debauched, but the ceremony itself is going to be pretty traditional. Yeah. So just so you know, if you were to like, you know, be involved in a good conversation with a, one of her aunts or something, mm-hmm. and you were to say like, yeah, you know, that kind of reminds me of recently I was watching Plug Talk and I was watching Adam fuck your, your niece and <laughs> asshole. <laughs> that kind of joke. Probably would earn Lena's ire. What would more earn Lena's ire? That joke or a joke about the Armenian genocide? Yeah, I think in the very early days of our relationship, I made a joke about how Lena's farts smelled like the Armenian genocide. Mm. And I, I kind of remember someone in the family not appreciating it at all. So well, maybe you, don't do that. You made that joke publicly? I think at the time I wasn't really aware of the horrors of what went on with that. But even the first part of the joke about your girlfriend's farts isn't really an appropriate thing to share with family. It was like younger members of the family. It was. I, I thought that they wouldn't be offended. I, I'm just kind of used to making like the most offensive joke at any given time. That's a good one. That's a very offensive joke all the way around. Just because like women farting is kind of edgy in the first place, uh-huh. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And then the the Armenian genocide. You know, that's. I mean, it's not as edgy as the like the real genocide. I threw that shit on the no list pretty soon after. Is the Armenian genocide like the lift of the genocide world? It's not the Uber. What's the real genocide? The Holocaust. Holocaust. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure the Armenian one was very, very bad as well, right? Yeah, but it's like it's still the lift. It's still like the Adidas of the fucking Holocaust. Well, we can't all be number one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are worse atrocities. How do you feel about Rwanda? Hotel Rwanda, dude. I mean, it's, it's so fucking awful. I, I mean, it's it's so the thing about that one though. What's the Hutus and the Tutsis? Is it's um it's sort of like what Elon? You sent me that that tweet that Elon put out about how the media only covers uh, white on black crime. There has been a very real meta conversation after that in terms of like how that graph that Elon reacted to about white on white crime versus black on white crime may have been misrepresented. I'm not hundred percent like ready to speak on it, but perhaps what was shown in that graph was not accurate. Probably. I believe that, but I also believe the media definitely is way more fucking wet for a story. If there is white on black crime, I mean, that's racism is what sells newspapers until, well, now we got Trump back in the headlines. So maybe the racism narrative will go away, but that's why the Rwandan genocide doesn't get all the clicks. It doesn't get all the press. It's it's black on black. Yeah. Yeah. The same reason nobody is really freaking out talking about like Chicago gang violence. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not that titillating to talk about shit that's happening between their own group, you know? What is that? Because, like, I, you gotta kind of be careful talking about what powers are behind media narratives, but we sort of know who was behind the COVID hysteria. Hmm. There were a certain group of companies that were profiting off the propaganda of the COVID years. Like, who is profiting off the racism narrative? Strictly the news companies? Or who else is getting rich off this well the thing that comes to mind what's his name jordan neely the uh, young michael jackson impersonator yes. who got killed on the subway i mean you look at that case and how much we've heard about it and you know granted we haven't seen like a full video and so it's kind of hard to tell whether the uh, marine who choked him to death was actually behaving rationally or not you know when you look at the behavior of a lot of other people on the subway including a bunch of people of color it would kind of seem that everybody else on the subway felt as if he was doing something rational by choking this guy out now it's hard for me to imagine that he actually had to deploy that level of force you as somebody who's trained Mm -hmm. in jujitsu 
don't you think that in that situation you would probably have been able to restrain him without killing him? Yes. Right. The the move would have been to apply the choke for a little bit, then let it go. Right. And just let him know, hey, I'm the boss here. You need to settle down until the cops come. Right. If he keeps resisting, a little more choke pressure. But then again, I am pretty comfortable with those chokeholds. He might have felt that if he didn't squeeze, 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 the guy would have escaped, turned around and beat the shit out of him, the Marine. So it's it's hard for me to to project my Brazilian jiu jitsu consciousness into this guy's head. Right. But yeah, I think he used excessive force. But as you were saying, we don't know what happened before this. And everybody on the subway was like, were, they were like heckling Jordan Neely when it was happening. Like people were calling other black people were calling Jordan Neely, like the N word and like talking shit to him when it was happening. Did you right. see that? I didn't see the N word thing in particular, but I mean, the guy was a Marine. Mm-hmm. So you would assume that he does have some decent amount of, uh, you know, training in this regard and everything. I don't see why he had to die. But yeah. you do kind of have every reason to believe that if anybody was capable of being, you know, such a monster in this moment that they deserve to be put in a chokehold for many, many minutes. Mm-hmm. This guy had like 45 arrests. One of them was for dragging a seven-year-old girl down the street. I believe he punched like a 60-something-year-old woman in the face. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the people on the train didn't know that, but it does kind of make you feel like this person probably was not acting rationally in the Mm -hmm. moment. The only reason why I bring that up is because that clip, we've seen everybody from AOC to whoever using it as an example of look at how bad racism is Mm -hmm. in this country. We have absolutely no reason to believe that this Marine uh, who choked him out (laughs) is racist in any way, aside Mm -hmm. from the fact that he happens to be white and this guy happens to be black. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this has just caused tons of people to pull up like other clips that have maybe gone viral over the last couple of years. I Mm -hmm. think it was in Louisiana. I forget exactly what city it was, but it was basically a clip of a black homeless person struggling with a gun struggling to load it and there's a white homeless person looks like a homeless person at least sitting on the curb and he basically like loads the gun and then just walks up and fucking blams this guy in the head right in front of like a whole restaurant full of people that are hanging out there and stuff and it's kind of like best meal of their lives if we're (laughs) best entertainment yeah (laughs) if if we're just talking do we have to tip extra for that dinner in a movie uh if 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 what we're really concerned about is human cruelty. Mm-hmm. Then why does one video deserve to be treated like, you know, this this thing that we all have to pay attention to and one mm-hmm. video is not? Like they're both one, if anything, is a lot more innocuous. We don't really know what happened with the Michael Jackson impersonator mm-hmm. situation. And I mean, there's a million different situations like this. I think people whether it's a good thing or a bad thing is kinda up to up to debate, but you know, it's hard to imagine, like, remember the level of rage that America, like so many Americans felt from the George Floyd video? Mm-hmm. It's almost hard to imagine that many people being that convinced from just one video at this point, especially when you aren't ever going to be able to view the real context, because we are so used to the idea that we're being misled by the, by the you know, by this content itself and mm-hmm. by the media's interpretation of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I hope people realize that we're being misled. Yeah. I hope we've been fed enough bullshit now. I, uh, I wonder, like... Problem is, is that we don't know what isn't bullshit, you know? So if you were to watch a video that really was the most horrific, horrible thing on earth and it was just case closed, it's almost like Americans are so jaded to this mm-hmm. that we wouldn't know how to react. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I, it seems like the narrative that the media is pushing that everything's racist, like everything's racist. Like I saw an article, admittedly, I didn't read it yet in the L.A. Times about uh, how race was a factor in 
Jonathan Majors fall. Is Jonathan Majors the black actor who beat his wife? He beat up some some girls. A couple different girls are saying he beat them. Yeah, and like it, that was the, the headline in the L.A. Times. Not like this guy beat up some girls or beating up some girls is bad. It was how race made it so Jonathan Majors got torched worse by the media. Like, and that just made me think like. Who is this like racism is so prevalent narrative serving like it's got to make black people just feel worse about themselves and their future in this country. It's got to make white people just feel guilty and kind of icky like they're walking on eggshells because to me. I can think of tons of white celebrities who've had their careers absolutely destroyed over accusations that are way less intense than what they're saying about Jonathan Majors, you know? And keep in mind, this is a guy who, black or white, he's been sort of hoisted up into, like, some of the most prestigious roles that you could possibly get as an actor, which is why this stands out, that his fall from grace is kind of so dramatic. But, I mean, let's be real, like, white people are not being given a pass in these sort of situations. Mm -hmm. If I had to be totally honest, I think that when it comes to like abuse and getting canceled from Hollywood, it seems like it's a pretty level playing field. Basically any, anyone who does anything, you're fucked and you're never getting hired again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been so long since me too. The specific examples are a little bit clouded, but I mean, fucking Louis CK. I mean, jerking off in front of a chick across the room is in my mind, not as bad as punching a chick directly in the face. No, yeah, definitely weird. Definitely like something that we should be discouraging is like, you know, jerking off in front of random female comics. But there's a comic at uh, one of the open mics I go to sometimes who she kind of like runs the open mic. He jerked off in front of her and I sort of like revere her more. Really? Have you ever mentioned it to her? No, I haven't crossed that line, but I do have small talk. Is that weird that I respect her more as a person because the great Louis C.K. masturbated in her eye line? I mean, it's like finding out that somebody's been to France. It's like, yeah, you've you've lived quite a bit. <laughs> or like, you know, if you find out that someone got shot, maybe is a better example. That is good. If yeah, you yeah. find out that, that someone good. has been shot, it kind of, that really kind of like colors your impression of them because it's like, oh, fuck, like you really, you've lived a real life. Yeah. You've really done some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know. Yeah, I, I like, see the way that gets a lot of respect, like w- at least within hip hop, if you even if you did a year in jail. Yeah, that's pretty like, you know, people are going to take that and summarize from that, that you've been through a lot in your life and that you was a real one and et cetera, et cetera. Right? You was a real one. You was a real one. Yeah, it, it would be like somebody who, I don't know, was at the, the country festival when the Mandalay Bay shooting happened. Mm. You're just like, yeah, you were you were fucking there when stuff went down. Yeah, and that's why I always think of this girl back in the day who I fucked. And thank you. I, I was probably thank you for putting that out there. Yeah, yeah. Me and a bunch of my homies fucked her. Let's be honest. But it was like I was maybe twenty five in New York City, and this girl, we really thought that she was like a real bitch because she told us that she was there during nine eleven. Then I find out that the girl's from Poughkeepsie. It's like uh-huh. an hour and a half away. Uh-huh. It's like no, you weren't you weren't anywhere near there. It might be an hour away. I forget, but either way, she's just totally lying. Like there, there's a guy. Fuck, there's a famous a comedian. Guy. A comedian. Yes, who he got, was on the league. Yes, which I used to watch that show. It was a pretty good show. But then I found out at a certain point, like he was not actually there, and he claimed that he was there. This girl was doing the same thing to me. She was fucking dudes from hardcore bands in the bathroom of bars and stuff. Mm. And I feel like at least some of that dick was given to her 
under the assumption that she was there and that she actually locked eyes with Mohammed Atta mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, through an office window before the 747 <laughs> plowed through her desk. But just imagine that <laughs> because that was the other thing, too, is that when I was doing the math in my head, I was like, oh, so you were definitely in high school on 9-11. Uh-huh. So, like, th- why the fuck would you have ever been living in New York City on your own? Or what? She worked at the Jamba Juice in the food court. It's fucking in Poughkeepsie, yeah. <laughs> Not anywhere near this shit. You know, I think both the people, that comedic actor, can you look him up, Sydney, if, if you have control of the computer? I think him, because he got, like, rich off it. I mean, he had a great career. But also this girl, they should have to, like, go on trial in Mecca and maybe get their hand cut off by a guy with a curvy sword. Mm, I would respect that. What, what's the curvy sword called? The, in Islamic Shimtar? Uh, sh- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's got, like that. There's so many names for swords. Sydney, Jonathan, this is not what we're talking about. Search nine, actor who lied about I, I, comedian. Ask ChatGBT. Mikey's on hard drugs Chat as well. G- you're going to be fired for Google's bard very soon, Sydney, if you don't get your Googling down. Who is Steven? Oh, Steven Steve- Rodriguez? I don't think so. Razizi? Razizi sounds right. There it is. Yeah, Zanzinzi. He lied about working in the South Tower on the World Trade Center at Merrill Lynch on the 54th floor during the September 11 attacks, and he described his experience escaping death. He said that the events inspired him to move to Los Angeles and pursue stand-up comedy. You gotta love the specificity, dude. I watched 3,000 people die, so I really wanted to move to L.A., get the fuck away from the World Trade Center, and write some jokes for a living. You know, we gotta. Can we Google Merrill Lynch fifty fifty fourth floor? I want to know if that's where the plane hit, because like I want to know what his logic was, and like if there was a certain floor that gave him the most cred. Yeah, which floor of the plane hit, Sydney? Perfect. If I recall correctly, I it wasn't the fifty fourth. It had to be way higher than what floor did the plane hit nine eleven. We got it. It was the top, right? It was like the very tip top. It was in the top. Two thirds. It's not coming up. Maybe, nobody has ever Googled this before. Or, but I mean, oh, it, she did spell plane wrong, but then it, it, it fixed itself. So that's good. ChatGBT is going to give us some bullshit government answer. And don't you have to pay like ten bucks a month or something? I think so. Eventually, like maybe twenty bucks a month. Yeah. But uh, yeah, ChatGBT won't tell us about Tower Seven. It won't tell us about the detonations beneath the. It's kind of weird because ChatGBT and AI are like the new. Metaverse, the new NFT. 2022 was all about yeah, Metaverse. 2021 was like NFTs. NFTs. It seems like AI is more real, though, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I I'm, I agree. Because we can all talk function. about ways to use it that actually makes sense to our stupid brains, mm-hmm. whereas the NFT thing never really made a lot of sense to almost everyone. Mm-hmm. You had to really kind of stretch your brain to imagine uses for it. And the metaverse was sort of like, all right, I, I'm sort of following you, so we're going to have like conferences, mm. but we're going to like feel like we're there. But it's really just Zoom is what you're telling me. Yeah. But I'm going to it's going to be like at one of those movie theaters where they shoot air at my face if a T-Rex runs by. Like, right. is that what you're telling me? Which is more functional than a bunny drawing that costs 150 grand. But it's still not as functional as AI. But like my entire life since I was in elementary school, people were trying to convince me that at one point I was going to strap something onto my face and that I was going to basically like be part of a video game or an alternate world or whatever inside of this thing. And that that was the future of technology. 
uh, Nintendo had something called the Virtual Boy at mm-hmm. a certain point. I remember I played it. I played tennis with the Virtual Boy. It was red and black. Yep. Which, I mean, that really was disgusting. Yeah, like, it was bad. It just looked gross. Like, white on black would have been way better, like, color-wise. It would have at least had some contrast to it, don't you think? Yeah, yeah it'd be good for headlines in the LA Times. There you go. But, uh, I don't know. The Virtual Boy, I never could get behind. And, it went, like, my girl got me an Oculus for my birthday, I think, a couple years ago. Not happening, huh? I never took it out the box, yeah. Yeah, it's just, that's, so I, I'm such a fucking tar, dude. I watched the Gary V. Mark Zuckerberg interview on Gary V's YouTube channel and the next Gary interviewed Mark yes okay and and they were talking about the metaverse and I come out of the bedroom the metaverse is the future (sighs) it's taking over I'm going to divert all my money from the S&P 500 to Facebook stock I do that and of course the stock crashes by like 75% the next week really and then they're trying to turn out this fucking Oculus and there's like ads of like you fighting Darth Vader and I just wanted to kill myself of course and I'm like oh my god I've lost all my money on this how much money did you lose I'm I'm exaggerating it wasn't that much but it was like 3,000 bucks but then what happened is they started using AI to better target ads on Instagram and Facebook and the stocks had one of the most dramatic recoveries of any stock ever really so papa got his money back see yeah because I, I remember that i was making fun of the facebook stock because of the metaverse thing and then destiny was like i don't know about that i have a lot of facebook stock and it's doing really fucking good right now yeah. and i never actually looked into why he was saying that but that makes sense i dropped 500 dollars, which in stock terms is not that much money at the very very bottom and just that little 500 dollars investment basically made all my money back now after wow. putting like three grand into facebook oh that's nice yeah so what I'm saying is uh, gamble wildly on what you think is the future, right. kids. Whatever you think is good, just dump all of your money into it. I almost bought a lot of Bitcoin at like 60000 Yeah. <laughs> Which is like now is just like, fuck, I'm so glad that I didn't do that. Because uh-huh. at that time, I forget why. I was like doing some kind of transaction where I was like, maybe I was going to take money out of something else. Oh, I'll just put it all in Bitcoin. But it was when Bitcoin was like really high. Uh-huh. And people were telling, it's going to hit 100,000 by Christmas. Yeah. It's going to hit 100,000. Those are fun days. Pandemic days. Yeah. Everything was inflated. Do you have a memory of your of your uh, YouTube views going up significantly during the pandemic? Pandemic was 2020. I, the fall of 2020, I definitely had a big surge in views. The summer and fall of 2020, yes. I think everybody did to a certain extent. I have memories of around that time period seeing like, you know, doing our regular live show and like looking over and seeing like 18,000 people watching Mm -hmm. and being like, whoa, like, like not able to see the forest from the trees and realize like, oh no, everybody's home. And that's why you're, it's not like you just became way more popular. Mm -hmm. There's just way more people around who are able to view Mm -hmm. this shit. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get that at the time. And I, like, I have a friend who ran a bike shop and the reason why he doesn't have the bike shop anymore is because he ordered a fuckload of of product during the worst parts of the pandemic because riding bikes became a lot more popular during the pandemic when nobody else could do anything and so uh yeah that, that basically was the thing that screwed him he just spent all his money buying shit that he couldn't mm, sell because he has a ton of inventory now yeah and that's just like so many people when i think about it kind of ended up like there was a lot of shit that we were putting out at the time that maybe wasn't that great and wouldn't have done that great during other eras mm-hmm. but because people had so much free time they were able to really Mm-hmm. Tap in. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We had the best job probably for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, unless you work at Google 
or have stock options at Google. I mean, that probably would have been a better job than what we do during the pandemic. But otherwise, we didn't get shut down. We could keep doing our thing, and there were more people at home to watch. Mm. Now it's you can feel the economy starting to tighten its collective belt with ad revenues, for instance. That industry is just down across the board from what I've heard and what I've seen, too. I've had a lot of conversations with other YouTube creators that are kind of like, so your, your revenue down this, this year? Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely down. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this year, it's been a, it's been a, like last year was my biggest year ever. Really? And this year I've had to like fight pretty hard to like maintain views and to maintain money. See, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause last year probably was my, yeah, definitely was my best year ever. And then this year, even before the firings and the, you know, people leaving and stuff, it was already like pretty clear signs that that was not going to be the case this year. Mm-hmm. And especially, bro, our Facebook has been down for like four, five, six months at this point. Down, like not on the platform anymore or down? Down, like wise? no distribution. Can't yeah. put anything on it. And if you do post anything, well, you can post, but it just won't get seen by anybody. Mm-hmm. We're in the process right now of getting back into Facebook's good graces, uh, which is supposed to be triggered to start up at some point in the near future. Do you realize that we got a strike and we can't post on YouTube for a week? No. And that when you are banned on one channel, you can't post on your other channels either. How do they know? That's what I'm saying. Like, like, and what is the definition of ban evasion? What, uh, uh, because the, the thing that actually, you've seen it. I haven't seen it. We filmed a reaction video last week where you and a few of the other guys. I got a strike? Reacted to a bunch of shit. It didn't come out. We up, one of the guys uploaded it on Unlisted. They submitted for review. There was a clip in it that was something with like a woman masturbating in public and, and you guys reacting to it or something, but it was all blurred. It was like okay. you couldn't see anything. I'm glad that was the thing that got us in trouble and not us fat shaming a certain individual in it because all the oh. fat shaming jokes were mine. That's a good point. Cause I, and I actually told them before you guys reacted to that clip and you're yeah. talking about Gorgoth the destroyer, right? <laughs> <laughs> when I told them, I'm like, Hey, be careful with what Danny and them say about this person because I don't want the video to come off too hate speechy. Yes. Because it was a trans overweight <coughs> person. Yes. Who, I mean, basically opened themselves up to all that ridicule by going on that podcast. But what was the, was it the masturbating homeless woman? Because it should have said that in the strike. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got information from YouTube that said that that was, in fact, the thing. It didn't come out. I don't know if I would have regarded it as something that this should be removed from the video. When I saw it, I never even got a chance to see it. I have to watch it at some point in the near future, but that's what got us. Are you going to masturbate to the masturbating bum? Uh, well, I, I, I got to see it. I don't know how attractive they are. But if, if they are above like a three or four, I think the answer is going to be yes. Would you accept oral sex from Gorgoth the Destroyer? <laughs> A.K.A. Yeah, the, the chick from whatever. I, I, since we got a strike on that video and I feel uneasy about it, yes. Really? There. Just just to um, stay in the good graces of Gorgoth and YouTube. I heard some red pill person asking this question recently. I'm, I'm wondering what your answer is. Would you rather get oral sex from the most attractive trans woman you've ever seen in your life? Okay. Who is a biological male. Sure. Or. Does, does, does that person have STDs? No. Good. Okay. You can, they've, they've passed the test. Okay. Or would you rather get head from. Gorgoth the Destroyer. Oh, no, no, she's trans. So, okay, like, yeah. just the, the, f- the most unpleasant. <laughs> that was the worst hypothetical ever. Would you rather get head from the hottest person in this group or the verified ugliest? Okay. Picture, like, a 600-pound cis, cis woman. Sure. The most repulsive thing you've ever seen versus 
I'm not going to lie. I've seen some trans people yeah, yeah. with a cracking BBL, mm-hmm. boob job, all the, the face, hormones pumping through their body. It's not looking too bad at all. For me, I think I'm going with the trans one. I am going to go at least sober. I can only speak for sober, Danny, right now. I am going to have to go with overweight cis woman. You really think? Because if you get blown by a trans woman, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, a man who's never done that before, I have to start having conversations with myself. Like, boy, buddy, well, you've done it. You've gotten your dick sucked by somebody who was formerly a man. You're just that kind of guy now. Whereas it's sort of like if I started doing acid for the first time, like I am now a guy who has done acid and I have to face that new reality. I have a busy schedule. (laughs) I'm not prepared to face any new realities. So I'm going to stick to my comfort zone and just get blown by an obese woman. Gorgoth. Gorgoth. No, 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 that's not Gorgoth. You're right. You're having a really hard time. Gorgoth. I mean, that's I'm, a compliment. That I'm so attracted to trans people that it's like kind of hard for me to remember who's who. Sure. I don't know. To me, it's like at a certain point when you're talking about, <laughs> okay, the woman, the cis woman yeah, is in a wheelchair, 600 pounds. One of her legs has been cut off at the knee. And there's been no attempt made by the doctor yeah. to suture it or to so to do anything to it. Is it festering, Adam? The wound is festering. <laughs> okay. There are flies around the body are there of maggots? this cis woman. There are no because maggots. I'm I'm trying to like avoid a scenario in which you could think that you might actually get the diseases okay. that this person has. Okay. But like I'm I'm just trying to make it like as gross as possible. Okay. So it smells like death. It smells like the line outside the soup kitchen mm. or what I would imagine. That's mm. like. I remember volunteering at the soup kitchen when I was like 15 mm. and it smelled like really, really, really bad. But you can guarantee me that I'm not going to contract any disease while receiving this blowjob. I can guarantee you that. I would still take it from the, do I have to come? Because if at some point I have to come, I might be physically unable to, if I can smell rotted flesh. I don't think you necessarily have to come. I just think you have to bash your pelvis into this person's mouth for like a half hour. Okay, so this if you don't a, come, a half that's an hour? on you. A half hour? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought this was a blowjob, no, yeah. not a, a marathon face fucking. No, you got to say hard or at least have your dick making contact with this person for a half hour. So I have to, whichever comes first, a half hour or my climax. That's how this is set up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, fuck. Dude. Imagine just dragging your limp dick across this person's I, lips. I mean, so now now what we're talking about is if there if video emerges of me just jackhammering a one-legged wheelchair obese woman's face, I might get canceled for that. Whereas on the flip side, the opposite of cancellation is what's going to happen is if I get blown by a trans girl. Right. You so might I'm, be accepted into some social groups that you're not current well, but you're gonna have to really control the jokes that you make about it i i think if you like hook up with trans people you kind of got licensed to like for instance we had on the leo and danny show podcast a trans girl who has been coming on our pod she came out to the comedy club and sat front row at our show and it was just like a godsend to us because you just made jokes about it the whole time yeah we just like making fucking trans jokes constantly and she was rocking with it loved it really? loved it and it was like dude it was easy mode for all the comedians that night to have a trans chick just front row you can't just go into a comedy club and expect to be left alone and 
any sense, right? No, not at all. And dude, comedy clubs are fucking gnarly. Yeah. Like so gnarly. Especially if a comedian of color gets up there, like a black dude or a Mexican dude, they can say whatever the fuck they want right mm. now. Like they gay jokes, trans jokes, racist jokes. Like even white comedians can go pretty hard on stage. It's just sort of accepted. But dude, if you are a, like a protected minority, you can say anything now really which is pretty dope it's fun that is dope i have a, a really strong memory of going to see andrew schultz doing comedy in a club in probably 2017 in new york city we were just like hanging out with him and went to his comedy show and he made a bunch of like really offensive like trans or gay or whatever jokes and i remember like looking around during certain jokes and seeing people absolutely just stone faced just Damn. staring at him like Damn. this is not funny in any way i wanted to ask you about this hypothetical so my uh, housekeeper. Is it better than the uh, really hot or really ugly trans one? We could get. We could do more like that. Yeah, but let's uh, keep keep workshopping them. I don't want to put pressure on you. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But okay, so my housekeeper. I already fucked her. It, she is a Mexican woman. Yeah, I know. She has a black husband, and he was over at the house helping us clean the carpet. There was like a something with the carpet that like he was specialized in. So she brought him in one day to help with like cleaning some extra stuff or whatever. He got paid. Um, and she's, you know, I, I was taking my kid and, and holding her up at the window because she, she had just woken up for her nap. And my housekeeper's husband was sitting at the back table eating lunch, right? And so I'm holding uh -oh. my kid up and I'm, I'm looking out the window with her and I'm saying, who's that? Who's oh, that? No. And, and she's laughing and stuff because she hasn't seen this guy in a while and she thinks it's funny that her housekeeper's uh, husband is there or whatever. And my housekeeper comes over and she sees that Parker is looking at her husband and, and, and giggling or whatever and she says, oh yes, Parker, who do you see over there? Is this the big black man? <laughs> Like she said it and I laugh. Like, I don't even really think anything of it. Ah, ha, ha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but I just immediately, Lena just hits the death stare and she's just like, Hey, can you like not say stuff like that around her? Which hearing her explanation actually makes a lot of sense because like my kid doesn't have a filter. Like she's going to fucking see a black person walking down the street and say, look at the black man. Yeah. Yeah. The you big know? black man. Yeah. So how did the big black man react? Well, we're looking at him through the glass. So it's oh, not okay. like he was hearing the okay. conversation. And I, I was really glad that the person who referred to him as the big black guy was his wife. Yes. And not anybody else. But Lena did have a very, very good point in that moment because my kid. Yes. I, I, you know, as much as like, yes, she will know about race and have to be able to have conversations about race at some point when they're that young, you're really kind of opening a can of worms by anything that you let them know is funny. Uh -huh. It's really bad. Like, like when they do bad things and you laugh at it, yeah, yeah. all bad because yeah, yeah. they're just going to do that thing so much more. So like, you know, if, if my kid were to have said like, yeah, big black guy, uh -huh. you like, I, I would definitely have laughed and then I definitely would have had to try to pull it back and like act like no no actually that's not funny don't say that kind of stuff yeah. because who knows what the fuck she's gonna blurt out on the street Lena's much more wise than me she sees what's gonna happen like 10 steps away yeah 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 and then there's gonna be a live stream someday and Parker is gonna say something racist and people are just gonna attribute it to you and your child rearing techniques it is like think about that conversation with my kid at some point like hey I know that you know that my job largely entails going on camera and making edgy jokes and having yeah. offensive conversations uh -huh. and, oh, yeah, Uncle Danny, he's basically Dave Chappelle, but a white guy. He's, he's, he's on stage making offensive jokes. Am I her uncle? 
Uncle am, Danny. Am I her godfather? Or Any something? older guy that I introduce her to, I'm friends with, is usually Uncle and then their name. Because at some point, I'm gonna have to try to like make sense of the fact to her that like this is a part of my life is yeah. making offensive jokes on camera. Yeah. Other people in my social circle, people I'm friends with, same thing. But with you. If you say one offensive thing mm. ever and it's captured on camera, yeah. you are never going to go to college. Yeah. And that's wow. just the reality of it. Wow. That's crazy. If you say the N-word when you're 14, yeah. you're not getting into Harvard. <sighs> at least those seem to be the standards of right now. Dude, imagine working at a company. Like, Leo showed me this clip. So... Imagine working your way through this guy was a broadcaster and I know there have been a lot of incidents on this, but there was like a new one that emerged. Imagine working your way like in baseball, you play pro baseball, you work your way through an organization, you get on local radio, slowly you become the official broadcaster, then maybe you go to the national level. This guy is broadcasting for an Oakland A's game, I think, and he said, Oh boy, we had a hell of a day today. We uh, we started off by going to the awesome and he meant to say Negro League Museum, which was the old segregated baseball league, but he says the N-word league. With a hard R. Yes. Whoa. And, and right there, you are watching all four engines blow up on a commercial airliner, and that thing just crashed to the ground. All the work he's put in, it's gone. Can we see that clip? Because I saw the title on the No Jumper Instagram, but I didn't actually watch it. Okay, here yeah, we go. Yeah, this is definitely it. This took a while, but here we go. Oh, it's only six seconds. Those better be good. We had a phenomenal day today. Nigger League Museum and Arthur Bryant's Barbecue. We had a phenomenal day today. Nigger League Museum and Arthur Bryant's. Oh, my God. He didn't miss a beat, though. He just kind of kept going, right? And neither did his co-host. His co-host did one involuntary eye rollback. <laughs> There was one, just a shockwave went through him, but then he bounces back. Look at that beard. That is. is the beard of a man who's not scared of the N-word. <laughs> Holy shit. That was fucking wild, bro. Because, you know, that reminds me of the uh, solar panel salesman guy who yeah. was pulling up on the, wo the the woman and he said, yeah, you got a lot of nice, you know, I think he meant to say neighbors around here or something, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty similar. And people live like their life in such fear of accidentally saying it. That at some point, maybe it'll just come out. Yes, that's part of uh, I watched The Secret recently, and it talks about that. Things you focus on, good or bad, are brought into your life. That's right. why sometimes the candidate that everybody hates, like Trump, is the guy who gets elected because he's sucking up all the energy. Mm. There's one word in the English language that you can't say under any circumstances, but a certain group of people says it. Constantly, and it's in one of the most popular genres of music on a line-by-line -line basis. So it's always at the forefront of your head, but you can't say it. It's this weird. I'm not saying you should say it, right. but I get it. Though. It's what? kind of like only a matter of time before somebody who maybe doesn't have all that much skin in the game. I don't know though. When you think about the uh, I, shit, I don't even feel comfortable saying the uh, the the thing that he meant to say. Negro League. The Negro League. It's sure. historical. Well, so is That's any N word, but yeah. But I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that like that, like that he couldn't get that out, like I don't know, that's that's, that's tough. I feel yeah, for him. That, it's it's really he bad. lost his job. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they, you want to watch another one? What about the guy from Barstool who said it? Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, because I never actually saw that either. I read these headlines and then I never actually click it. He said he was rapping though. He said it with like an A. Yeah, Barstool Sports N word because Dave was pretty uh pretty salty. Oh, look at Media Matters is the one who wrote the fucking article about it. Barstool Sports discovered that they can't use the N-word. Scroll down. 
Its employees are not psyched. Are we going to be able to actually see it? Dude, wasn't he rapping? This fucking, this t- article is titled like they screamed it out the office window at somebody. Yeah. Oh, double up. What you need, what you need. Get some. I want to hear right, the we did blur out the bleep. We bleeped the word, but he actually said the word. And as you can see, he seems pretty amped up as he is reciting some words from the rapper's bump. Oh, God. The this, chick's in, this chick's insufferable on Twitter. Is this Nina Turner? She's so bad on Twitter, dude. Really? I'm not super familiar with her. She's just one of those people who just takes the most boneheaded left wing takes mm. in, for the sake of retweets. Yeah, there's a lot of those out there. Yeah, I'm sure her, her analysis was really... Dude, like, if you're rapping a song, isn't that, like, a sign of reverence for the culture? Listen, like, he shouldn't be saying it, especially working at a big fucking corporation like Barstool at this point. He shouldn't be saying it just because you know what it's going to do to your career. But at the same time, firing him for something that clearly did not have an ounce of hate. It was just an accident. And the same thing with the guy who said the Negro League thing. I mean... It wasn't said with even an ounce of hatred, and it seemed like it was a genuine mistake. Although, actually, that one, it didn't really seem like a mistake. It seemed like he was just rapping along to it. He didn't miss a bar. And maybe he's like the one white guy on earth that hasn't got the memo that this is not going to go over well. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, if, if I could control the world, I would say that this is not really something worth being fired for. And I question what percentage of black people would think that he should be as well. Don't you think? Is that was he freestyling or was he rapping somebody's song? I couldn't actually tell what the song he was trying to get across. Was. Oh, look, he was rapping first of the month by Bone Thugs and Harmony. Well, don't you think Bone Thugs would be psyched? Like, this is good for Bone Thugs streaming revenue and concert ticket why, sales. Why has nobody asked them? I fucking, I have a line to a few of the Bone Thugs. I could reach out to them and ask them how they feel about it. Seems like a pretty important tidbit, right? Like, don't you think, like, this is, do you, do you really think Bone Thugs would have an issue with a guy being a fan? Like, he's so drunk, he's just rapping along with, he knows it word by word. And see, that's the thing. Even is that, that word. I promise you, the Bone Thugs, as well as every other rap group on earth, if you tour all over the country, all over the world, it is 100% your lived experience performing your songs and having an audience of, you know, largely white people yell them back at you yeah. with the N-word included. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Pusha T in 2004, mm-hmm. and he actually, like, made a big joke out of it. And, like, you know, in between songs was like, damn, you know, I'm from Virginia. I come to New York City. I got all these white people screaming the N-word in my face. <laughs> and, like, you know, he made a joke out of it, but he wasn't pissed off about it. Obviously, these are the people who are paying his fucking bills. And, uh, you know, 2004, 2005 was a very different time where maybe people were less sensitive about it but i remember when i first started to like really go to rap shows that there was like a few white rappers around and i realized that when they were singing along to their friend songs when they were on stage they would move the mic away from their mouth and not even move their mouth at all during the n-words because they knew that it was so likely that somebody was going to film it and take it out of context and say haha look at you you racist that's how you survive in this game, that's, man. That's crazy. That's like that's like telling an artist he can't use the color purple while he's painting <laughs> for a white rapper. I mean, it's just it's just a silly thing we've gotten to. And there's I, only so many colors. There's a fucking shitload of words. There's thousands of words. Well, in there's rap like 10 songs, colors. when they're rap songs, it's definitely a primary color. But can you N-word. imagine if that was the rule and you were able to get away with it by singing along to a song? 
That seems kind of unsustainable as well. I, I kind of like it. Like, I mean, dude, the N-word with an A, is it ever used with malice? Really? Yeah. I mean, probably yeah. sometimes, but on a much lower amount of instances. Yeah. I don't know. All I know is that both of these seem like kind of bad reasons for people to get fired. That Mintz guy, Ben Mintz, he was a big deal at Barstool, too. I remember seeing him on camera for years and years and years. Imagine having to get rid of, like, a host that you really like mm -hmm. over some shit that you don't agree with. But, like, because it wasn't Barstool's decision. It was mm -hmm. Penn Sports, which owns Barstool. They mm -hmm. were the ones who said, this is how it's going to go. Mm -hmm. This is, like, one of the main – I don't pay super close attention to Barstool, but this is definitely, like, a moment where you realize, like, oh, Dave is not – really steering the ship anymore mm -hmm. like he's a figurehead he's here he's made a shitload of money off of it they probably value his opinion a lot but when it comes down to it they're gonna do whatever they feel like doing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a shame but i wonder if this is gonna turn around i wonder if this is how the corporate world's gonna be because pretty soon all these guys who are getting fired for the slightest of offenses like i i think this one's less bad than the baseball announcer the baseball announcer i said the hard fucking r He's white as shit. Oof. It was too like a, a very PG primetime audience. Whereas this is like, I mean, a bunch of dirtbag internet people. Right. Like, I mean, if we keep firing people for little slip ups like this, they're all going to go start doing their own things on the internet. And then pretty soon the mainstream media is only going to consist of people who have never done anything wrong in their entire life. And who are also completely untalented too, because. And that's the vibe that you get when you watch something like SNL or an award show that's yeah. on TV or whatever. Like, Oh, these are the people who were, you know, smart enough or, you know, were thinking about their future enough that they never fucked up. Yeah. They never got too drunk at the bar and smacked somebody's ass, which could be the end of your whole career. Mm -hmm. They never, you know, had a, you know, adulterous relationship where they, you know, said some untoward things to the person and then ended up getting leaked, whatever. All those people at those award shows, mm -hmm. SNL, whatever it is, they are fucking walking on eggshells because mm -hmm. they know that they just need to fuck up a little bit and they're out of there. You know who doesn't play by those rules are Manosphere-style uh, YouTube content creators, which is our next clip, Woo! which probably a lot of people have already seen because Moist Critical reacted to it. But, man, I think that this deserves some introspection. This is from a podcast I'll called give him a nine. Unfiltered. Okay, what, is, what is he over there? I'll give him a 10 because okay. he invited me. All right, so, again... You sound like a stupid ass bitch. I'm trying Thank to figure you. out why you rated me a two because we're not we're not going off our interactions. We're going off beauty. I don't right? like like. I don't give a fuck. He's light skinned just like me, and you just gave him a nine. You gave me a two. You only gave me a two because of the whole interaction that we've been having, right? So do me a favor, get the fuck up and get the fuck out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Give a nine. So okay. like, what is she over? The, the idea. All right. So again, on this podcast, I let, let me watch it one more time. I'm trying Thank to figure you. out why you rated me a two because we're not we're not going off our interactions. We're going off beauty. I don't right? like like. I don't give a fuck. He's light-skinned just like me. And you just gave him a nine. You gave me a two. You only gave me a two because of the whole interaction that we've been having, right? So do me a favor. Get the fuck up and get the fuck out. Thank you. For the record, the other guy is not light-skinned just like you. The other guy is, like, dramatically darker-skinned <laughs> than him, which I, I that I find very confusing. And the idea that, uh, that all light-skinned people deserve the same rating in terms of attractiveness, mm -hmm. that's not how this goes. It's, it's out of Miami which means that Miami now has like at least three podcasts in which the idea is to get a bunch of girls on camera because there's also one besides fresh and fit. There's one called like uh, we love Miami or some shit uh -huh. and they do the same fucking thing. Uh -huh. So this is now like w an exploding genre on yes. YouTube. And, and this, you know, how I told you about the AI script that chat GBT wrote describing me. This is like chat GBT writing a fresh and fit script. Hmm. It's like, Hey, ChatGBT, write me a fresh and fit clone script that's slightly more aggressive. 
But the thing about it is, like, do you think that this guy actually talks to girls like that in his day to day? No, shut up, you stupid ass <laughs> bitch. <laughs> like, uh, like I've just, it's very unfamiliar to me to hear dudes talk to chicks like that because every dude I've been around for my entire life is just trying to get laid. Yeah. yeah. And if you just like call girls bitches all the time, that's probably not going to really like help your cause, yeah, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm very curious about this. I do know that these these guys are at least in some way affiliated with fresh and fit i don't think it's the exact same studio because this table is different has different mics the walls look a little different but it looks like it's in the same apartment building that fresh fresh and fit is filmed in and when i went to one of the guys instagrams it like has a bunch of different fresh and fit stuff on his page and stuff so clearly this is coming from the fresh and fit world which is kind of smart that they could sort of like pass their viewers off to these guys or, if they or signed them because past the yeah like if they're getting a chunk of the money and they're like hey go be like a way more toxic evil version of fresh and fit yes and it'll make us look better yeah that's kind of smart and also if you guys get deplatformed we don't care we made some money while it was fucking going that gravy train yeah and there's no rule on youtube that says that you can't just be mean to a bunch of chicks while they're sitting in your studio right mm -hmm. yeah i guess not i mean eventually isn't that basically what Andrew Tate got banned for? Just generally sort of being nasty toward the opposite sex once he got big enough? Yeah, but he got he got like blacklisted by all the social media companies at once, you know, where they took him off all platforms. Twitter ends up letting him back on. But that that's something that I'm like really opposed to is the idea yeah. that like, oh, it doesn't matter if you actually violate any rules on the platform. We're going to remove you from all these services at once if we decide that your ideas are dangerous. Yes, which I'm sure if these guys were the biggest podcast on YouTube, the tech companies would start having that conversation whether or not we're going to let this exist even though it doesn't yet violate terms of service but fresh and fit has been allowed to live good i'm glad but like they're rude to the girls sometimes but they're not like evil yes i'm actually going to text myron and ask him what the fuck the deal is with this but dude this is episode number 140 that sounds like a lot that's years of podcasting I mean, unless they're yeah. just churning them out if it's two a week then it's they've been at it for you know well over a year mm -hmm. so that's pretty impressive this if it's not associated with fresh and fit like if fresh and fit didn't give this their blessing it's pretty strange that there's this trend of just shameless mimicry mm. like we were talking um for example the armenian genocide was a shameless <laughs> actually the real holocaust mimicked the armenian genocide you could say you could say hitler's a copycat mm. you could say he's a fucking no idea copycat shitty artist just like i mean his watercolors they weren't very good neither was his genocide Fresh and fit, though. I mean, uh, you should make merch with a Hitler painting on it. <laughs> you, dude, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. It would take a while before people noticed, right? Uh, probably, I'm going to tell them. They would probably. <laughs> I mean, unless I was just wearing it like on podcasts and shit, then people would be like, "All right, what is this watercolor?" <laughs> Danny, who's never shown any appreciation for painting or the arts, is suddenly wearing the same watercolor hoodie every day. Right. We're going to Google this, but. I mean, imagine, like, this is just such a shameless ripoff. Like, imagine being a buff, bald guy on TRT with a bunch of psychedelic tattoos, like, smoking weed and talking about libertarian politics. Right. Like, you were just a shameless Joe Rogan ripoff. Yeah. Like, like there's, but it doesn't matter. Like, it gets views. It makes people money. It's okay, but that's the thing, is that to be Joe Rogan, to clone Joe Rogan, very difficult, because, like, part of what makes Joe Rogan Joe Rogan is... The fact that he's a great interviewer, that he's this extremely famous and popular guy, that he has access to all of the biggest guests in the world. When you yeah. really think about something like this, it's something where 
the thing that in making it popular is easily replicable yeah because it's not the hardest thing in the in the world to find like eight decent looking chicks to sit around and talk to you and when you look at these guys I would venture a guess that they're not really bringing a whole lot to the table. You know, you look at Fresh and Fit, it's like, how popular would their show be if they didn't have all these chicks coming around? I mean, they seem like they have a decent fan base, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe they would still be able to pull in 100000 an episode, even without all the chicks and everything. Uh, but... You know these guys. I'm 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 feeling like no. You don't think Mr. Two isn't? You know, think he's a real deep thinker. Imagine doing a show where you ask a bunch of chicks to rate you. That reminds me of stuff that we actually did in high school. Yeah. Like at an awkward like late night, you know, 10:30 p.m. party, and like you're you're 16, and you're yeah. just like sitting around with a bunch of girls, like, oh. Tell Brian what you think he is on a scale of one to ten. Uh, Doesn't that sound like the cringy kind of conversations that you were having in high school? I did. And I remember <laughs> the first time that we <laughs> They should be playing spin the bottle. <laughs> That's not a great idea. And they have to honor it if the light skin guy has to kiss the dark skin guy. They oh got my it. god, imagine going around you. You have to kiss somebody random. Imagine that guy, the guy who got rated a two, making out with another dude at the table oh my god. because a Pepsi bottle said so. No, there's no gay stuff in spin the bottle, right? Uh, there should be. Just, way I, I, I don't think we always had that rule. Dudes were not kissing dudes. Well, you weren't playing for keeps, dude. That's like yeah. playing Russian roulette with a BB gun. Yeah. I when we did that fucking rating thing back in high school, I remember when we were going around because I had, you know, when you're maybe you probably matured a little bit earlier than me. That's the impression I got that you like grew up a little quicker. We're probably getting pussy before I was. I think at least I was 18. Oh, you definitely. I got 17 then. So mm. I was wrong. I had a girlfriend who wouldn't let me fuck for like the last two years of high school. Damn. Dude. And I was holding on for dear life. Damn. And, but you did fuck her. So it became a couple years later, it, yeah. it became worth it. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't get late till 17, but I had no idea of objectively where I stood on the mating hierarchy. Mm. No clue until like sophomore year. And I remember when we were going around the fucking circle doing that rate each other game. I was like, I didn't want to play. I kept telling him, don't rate me because I thought I was a fucking one dude. Mm. Like no girl had ever given me any attention. This is very revealing. I think I everything like, I do, I do out of insecurity. Well, I just feel like it might tell us something about, you know, how your mind ended up shaped to the way that it is that you had a lot of doubts about your worth but as a young man. Doesn't every young boy though? Like definitely. Yeah. Because you're being attractive to the opposite sex is just as difficult as obtaining a PhD. Dude, mm -hmm. like it takes so much trial and error with interacting with women to not be told to like get away. I want nothing to do with you. That guy's a creep. And that's, those were all my experiences until I was a junior in high school. But then we went around the circle and one of the girls rated me. She's like, I'd say you're like a six and a half or a seven. And I was like, yes. and I dude, immediately I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic that I was a six and a half or a seven. I was like, really? She's like, yeah, like you're really young now, but you, you will be cute at some point. Maybe. <sighs> Because I don't even think I'd hit puberty yet. Right. Like, or I just hit puberty. I remember having a similar experience on a live journal group that was like, there were all these live journal groups. Do you know what live journal was? Mm -mm. It was like an early blogging platform. It's actually where I got the Adam 22 name. But uh, we had it when we were in high school before MySpace and Friendster and all that kind of shit. And there were these communities or these like group pages where you could like join it, post a photo of yourself, and then ask everybody to rate you. And they were pretty like bustling 
and communities. Yeah. So, you know, you would get like, you know, 30 fucking comments telling you how attractive they thought you were. Yeah. And like, you know, some girl that I knew, I knew at the time had done it and got all these comments saying she was hot. And then I had one photo of myself, which at the time you did not get a lot of photos of yourself because yeah. we were literally taking photos with like disposable cameras and yeah, shit like yeah. that. And I posted a fucking photo of me and got a bunch of comments that for the most part, I think that they were like, pretty friendly it was like oh i'll give you a 6.5 i'll yeah. give you a seven they're probably just being nice for the most part it's not like i actually uh-huh. really was a seven or anything yeah yeah but i remember having that feeling of like oh i'm starting to get a feel for where i fit in the hierarchy yeah because my girlfriend all through high school was this weird ass goth chick that i thought was really hot uh-huh. and i didn't really get the vibe that anybody else thought she was hot which is great yeah i was i was totally fine with it yeah yeah yeah, no, that that's I had the same thing, and I did that once too. Posted my photos. There was a, a chat group called uh, PB Nation, Paintball Nation, because I used to play paintball. A chat group? Yeah, there was a, a forum, a small talk forum where uh-huh. you could talk about. And there was a gay guy in there who was holding court, <laughs> and he was doing a, "Hey, any of you straight paintball players, post a picture of yourself, and I'll let you know your rating." And I at first was like, "I don't need some gay guy to." <laughs> boost my self-esteem like, click wait, wait a minute yes, next I do. thread i circle back about five minutes later and i'm uploading my prom pick to this fucking dude to rate and i remember like it, i carefully selected it because of course i really wanted this guy's approval and i wanted to you know i'd gained a lot of confidence since that go around the circle where i was a 6.5 or 7 i was hoping for an 8 from this gay guy and i post this picture of me and my white tux on prom night holding a cane doing some douchey smug face and the gay guy doesn't rate me but the next comment is just some other straight paintball player saying i want to punch you in the face Mm. and uh, i learned my lesson (laughs) i learned my lesson i don't think i've posted like a sincere thirst trap photo ever since the fine thirst trap what would a photo have to look like in order for it to be a thirst trap for you because sometimes i have that thought in the porn world it's like Maybe I'll take a shirtless photo. Oh, yeah. all the porn dudes do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There's this dude that I know, Tomas. Shout out Tomas. I'm not talking shit about you. I'll just say your name. You got a big cock, Tomas. Let me show show you Tomas. This dude is doing all kinds of shit that I am not doing. He's taking sexy photos on the regular, bro. <laughs> You're going to die when you see like, This is like his average Instagram photo. He's wearing jockey briefs. Like, is he a know, porn star? Yes. And he, but he posts all these photos where he's just wearing the little ass brief underwear, you know? This is a, oh yeah, he does. He's in okay. good shape. So yeah, he pulls it off. These, is that him? He had an Armani ad. He looks, he looks way better in that photo yeah, than he does in the one you show me. That doesn't seem like him. See, his, uh, the photos this guy's taking, you guys can't see. There's a little bit of a, hey, I'm making fun of myself at the same time. Dude, uh, he's doing a stupid facial expression. He's yeah, flexing. He's like, ah, but I kind of feel like that's just really the vibe. Like, if you're a, a male porn star, you fucking take your shirt off and you take hot pics. Are you commenting something gay on, on his account? <laughs> like, I Adam fuck 22. You. I hey, fuck you. I want to rim your asshole on Plug Talk. No Lena. For the record, I'm just going to spell it out. T, his Instagram name. T O M A S S K O L O U D I K. Tomas Skolo U Dick is how I would pronounce it. Is anyway. that a dick joke or is that some Eastern European nice thing? Nice guy. You're telling me this is him in this fucking Armani ad? Yeah, those those don't seem representative. Why does it look so different than all the other pictures of him? 
Yeah, there's a there's oh. a picture. There's an Armani ad there where it's a guy who looks like he, they could be related. No, and look, he was a he was an Avon model as well. Wow. Well, Man, maybe because I think his body fat was just like super low in that photo, so maybe he just looks way different. The photographer and the lighting specialist also did a great job. Well, if his pin photos on Instagram are other dudes, then that would be way weirder than it being him. So. That'd be very, you raise a good point. Unless <laughs> he's doing gay porn. And <laughs> then make a man Tomas. Hey, but like, man Tomas. Sometimes I'm influenced by this. I'm like, oh, maybe I should take photos like this. I like, don't I'm think like, so. No. I think it would only be, a because dude, who is buying or consuming any of your content because you have a nice body? Wow, we have breaking news. The man who choked Jordan Neely is to be charged with second degree manslaughter. The police questioned him when this happened mm -hmm. and let him go right yeah. away. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like when the narrative starts influencing the sentencing somebody gets. We wonder because the information I'm sure is to come. Authorities in New York are expected as early as Friday morning to charge a former Marine who put fellow subway passenger Jordan Neely in a chokehold that killed him. A local television news station reported citing two sources familiar with the matter. NBC4 in New York said that the decision to charge Daniel Penny had been made by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and will happen without the charges being presented to a grand jury. ABC News reported that Penny would be charged with manslaughter in the second degree. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that so goes. So manslaughter is the lowest form of killing somebody. Exactly. That you're going to do the least amount of time. Second degree manslaughter, I'd have to look up. That sounds less severe, obviously, than first degree manslaughter. I'd have to talk to my dad. But since the guy died, that is, like, by definition, manslaughter. Right. So th they might be obligated to try the Marine for manslaughter. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's going to go. I feel like without seeing the full video, I just can't pass judgment on the guy. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Even yeah. though I do think it seems like he probably took it a little too far, obviously, since the guy died. If Jordan Neely was about to assault somebody else, especially a woman or somebody vulnerable on that train, I feel like that would be the best case for the Marines case. Right. Because what people are saying is that he was walking back and forth on the subway saying, I'll go back to jail. I don't give a fuck. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. Which, yeah, that's very intimidating and threatening. But I mean, I've heard homeless people saying similar stuff on the train and didn't mm -hmm. feel the need to, you know, engage with them physically. Yeah. Now, if he had cocked back and punched some fucking random woman in the face. Yes. And then homeboy put him in the chokehold. All good. Yes. Put him in the chokehold. That being said, are you really telling me that you had to give him that last bit of squeeze to fucking yeah. take his life? That just seems outrageous. Yeah. The, to, to be fair, the Marine didn't know he was taking his life. Mm. The Marine probably thought it was going to be like a jujitsu class. Jujitsu, people go to sleep all the time in jujitsu. Really? People get choked out. Yeah, I was talking to a guy I trained with, this dude, Bruce, who's like a fucking investment banker. And he got choked out by a zipper choke the other day just because the everything went black before he could get his hand up. Really? It happens. And it's completely innocuous. If you don't hold it for a long period of time. If it just happens real quick, it's not going to fuck you up for the rest of the day or anything? No. You're not going to feel weird It's from not it? like getting a concussion. Okay. But also, you can feel when the person is limp and is going out, usually, which is why the, the Marine's buddy, the black guy who was holding Jordan Neely's hands, that is dangerous because then you can't see when Jordan Neely goes limp. You can't get a read on when he's lost consciousness because once the guy's lost consciousness, that that's your cue to let go of the choke. Mm. And Jordan Neely might never have received that cue to let go of the choke. So he could have held it for a minute or maybe even longer of a minute, at which point, yeah, you're probably starting to do long term damage, maybe even lethal damage. Yeah, well, that's going to be very interesting to watch how that unfolds. Um, so final thoughts on the wedding.
and the fact that we are clearly taking, you know, like a, a, a month long hiatus after this comes out, out because I'll be in Europe doing God knows what. Probably breaking a lot of local sodomy laws. Uh, oh, yeah. You know what I meant to tell We're you Catholic way earlier? Uh -huh. That was a great idea. I'd love to do some anal out there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's different than anal air. It's way different. No, but uh, so my weed guy, I bought an ounce of weed. Your weed guy. Again. And he brings it to me and it's already rolled into spliffs. Okay. Which is very nice of him. And it's vacuum sealed. So now I have no excuse to not take it with me. I, I wouldn't say you have no excuse. I think there are many complications that could arise from yeah. taking it still. Getting arrested. Yeah, get missing your wedding. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, that would be bad. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, when you're flying from place to place and you're going from a weed-friendly place to another weed-friendly place, it's not that bad, right? Do I believe what I'm saying? Is, I don't know. Is Italy a weed-friendly place? I think you can buy it there. You think? Lena's assistant said that she tried to buy it while she was out there and that the weed was so whack that she didn't even want to buy it. Huh. I would do some preliminary research before you put a vacuum-sealed ounce into your suitcase. That's a good idea. Instead of just going on a hunch. Can you fly from L.A. to Italy with weed? Yes. There you we go. I should Google it now and <laughs> let everybody know what I'm playing. Yeah. I mean, no, but, but my idea is that I want to go to Italy and not smoke weed. Okay, then I wouldn't bring the vacuum sealed ounce. Yeah, because there's no way I'm saying no at that point. Can I fly to Italy with weed? Maybe I should have wrote marijuana. Can I bring light cannabis on the plane? Is the first question that comes up. <sighs> yeah, I mean, smoking weed in, in Italy is not strictly legal. I'm Can you travel no, to Europe yeah. with cannabis? Three things to know. Yeah, federal law prohibits the importation and exportation of marijuana. Do I really want to chance it? I don't know. I, I think you should quit being a pussy and do it, dude. See, I've changed my mind in the last couple seconds. The thing is, too, is it's like if I was in Italy and I really wanted weed, I could probably just like go on Instagram and say, like, we got weed in Italy. Yeah. And I, then uh, I know some rappers in Italy, too. Maybe one of the guys dressed up like the gondola pilots will show up. A guy with a striped shirt and one of those hats. Maybe he's going to deliver your weed. That'd be a great business. I'm down with that. Um, all right. Let's go. Let's go to Italy. The next time people see us, it's going to be post-Italy. Oh, we should take some cool thirst trap photos out there. Oh, we should. Put our shirts off. Double mirror pictures, us in thongs. I'm going to pull off a Tomas and just rock a little Speedo or something. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to pin a picture of a male model who isn't me. Mm. That's how I'm going to pull a Tomas. Oh, my God. You know, I hate, I hate putting his business out there, but it's a weird thing in the porn world when a guy is dating a girl and then they break up. Yeah. Because now you have all this content that's extremely valuable to you to promote your OnlyFans, to promote yourself as a porn star. It's with your ex. Yeah. And that's got to be kind of weird because, uh, you know, I, I've seen, I'm not making it about anybody in particular, but I've seen multiple different relationships dissolve in the porn world. And then, like, the girl immediately stops posting anything to do with their ex. Yeah. But then the guy continues to post whatever. With, yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's like more valuable to him yeah. than it is to her, right? Yeah. Breaking up is messy enough if you're a civilian. It's even more messy if you're a content creator. Breaking up as a porn star couple has got to be the absolute worst because the time from breaking up to seeing your girlfriend get piped mm. by another dude is infinitesimal. Infin infinitesimal? Tough word. Something like that. If you think about it, uh, normally when you break up with a girl, like if you get a new girlfriend, you don't really want your new girlfriend to know anything about your ex-girlfriend if you 
can avoid it, right? Unless your ex-girlfriend's hot. And that that's like a way to keep your new girlfriend in check, kind of. Like, hey, right. you know, I'm a fucking high-status dude. But in general, like, you know, when I started seeing Lena, there was a girl that I dated for a couple months, like, kind of right before that. Never really told her anything about her. Like, you know, she mm. saw one picture of me and her on my Instagram at one point and asked a few questions. But I was kind of vague about it. I don't feel like you have anything to really gain from your new girl knowing about your ex-girl. Whereas, like, forever, for the rest of my life... If I were to be single, it would be like, oh, yeah, my ex. Yeah, there's a whole arsenal of pornography of us on the Internet together. So mm -hmm. you got to just sort of live with that. And also the guys, like their incentive to keep posting it is also a way to be like, hey, guy who thinks he's sly because he's picking up on my ex. Hey, here's me fucking schlonging her down. Oh, my God. Yes. If you're if your ex gets a new man and from a porn perspective, it's all good. Keep posting the porn that you made with her. From the perspective of this new guy, especially if he's not a porn star, mm -hmm. oh. he would be fucking furious with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's bad. And then you got to fight him. That's it's, all right. It's, that's, that's okay. You got to fight him. I mean, everything can be settled with violence. Don't let anybody tell you anything differently. That's one thing I've learned here in this room specifically. Danny, thank you for <laughs> another episode of Sledgelords. Oh. We will be back in approximately one month. We would love to read all kinds of amazing comments on this episode. We probably should have pointed that out earlier in the episode. Yeah. Be nice to us. We're going abroad. We're going abroad, and we're going to find abroad for this man. You know what? I'm looking at, I keep looking at the top of the TV like there's a webcam there where that's where the audience is seeing us through. I'm a, I'm a jackass is what I'm getting at. It's these other three cameras. Uh, I know. Four cameras. Four cameras. Yeah. And I keep looking at the non-existent webcam if you, spot. If you really want to get laid at my wedding, you should go. Uh, that's not my mission. Okay, but you should go to cutting edge <laughs> testing and get tested right now because to a porn star, the idea that the guy has been tested goes a long way okay i it was hard enough to get my passport for your wedding i'm not going to add on the new Aaron of frivolously getting tested well if you want to be having condom sex abroad then go for it yeah that's not the way to have sex abroad if you go to uh amsterdam and you end up fucking some some real deal prostitutes okay. not these fucking porn stars then uh, maybe they will accept your std test and you can go raw with them too okay well adam you've given me something to think about on my next trip to amsterdam yeah definitely and hey support the writers guild of america that's the most important thing that's what this podcast was really all about yes it was thank you adam for tying it up so nicely i wish i knew a writer probably do i'm just probably not thinking about it right now they're unseemly character. I follow one. He's an asshole. Sledge Lords, we out. Ah. Okay.